number 75, Negative Self-Talk. I'm going to begin with a rather lengthy quote from the book, Mindfulness, an Eight-Week Plan for Finding Peace in a Frantic World, by Mark Williams and Danny Penman. I highly recommend this, this, uh, this book. It really speaks about our misuse of the mind in a way that is so simple and so clear and makes so much sense. And the part I'm reading is from the end of chapter two, Escaping the Vicious Circle. And the authors say, you can't stop the triggering of unhappy memories, negative self-talk, and judgmental ways of thinking. But what you can stop is what happens next. You can stop the vicious circle from feeding off itself and triggering the next spiral of negative thoughts. And you can do this by harnessing an alternative way of relating to yourself and the world. The mind can do so much more than simply analyze problems with its doing mode. If you stop and reflect for a moment, the mind doesn't just think, it can also be aware that it is thinking. This form of pure awareness allows you to experience the world directly. It's bigger than thinking. It's unclouded by your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. It's like a high mountain, a vantage point, from which you can see everything for many miles around. Pure awareness transcends thinking. It allows you to step outside the chattering negative self-talk and your reactive impulses and emotions. It allows you to look at the world once again with open eyes. And when you do so, a sense of wonder and quiet contentment begins to reappear in your life. Some would say we are a spirit having a human experience, rather than humans trying to have a spiritual experience. I'm one of those someones. And what that means is we're having animal responses to the world. We walk around in these animal suits and as these bodies, as these nervous systems, we are always concerned with survival. Anything in our experience that might be seen as threatening, tangible or intangible, real or imagined, can trigger our fight, flight, freeze, fawn response. I used to just say fight, flight, but there are people in the world who freeze and fawn and they do not want to be left out. I might be one of those people. Then the amygdala goes into overdrive and our more modern brain parts begin to spin stories from the past related to these triggers. How did we respond before? What do we need to do now to assure safety? What should we have done to avoid ending up here? What's wrong with me that I ended up here? Etc. These thoughts then trigger more survival responses in our body, and these responses lead to more thoughts, 
which lead to more feelings, which lead to more thoughts, which lead to more hormonal responses and downloads around and around. And we end up with sometimes a steady stream of scary ideas running through our heads and with a feeling of impending doom and anxiety looming over us. Negative self-talk can be one of the most debilitating experiences that we can have. The voices might begin the moment our eyes open in the morning. Some people actually call this the committee. I have to get up before the committee does, or I'll be at their mercy all day. The voices can start right when we open our eyes and continue through the day and fade only during an extreme workout or a yoga class, a great movie, lovemaking. Some of us will use a drink or a joint to dull the voices, some an obsession or a fantasy, someone we're attracted to, a new car, a better job, winning the lottery, even thoughts of getting revenge against someone who has wronged us, or replaying that argument from last week that we wish we'd done better. These thoughts can be so all-pervasive we almost cease noticing them or seeing them as something we can change or seeing them as something other than ourselves. Our minds might tell us we deserve to have these thoughts because we are bad or worthless. It can tell us we're separate, different, and worse than the rest of humanity. And this thought will then amp up the negative ruminations to an even higher degree, and on and on. I remember one time driving through Laurel Canyon. This was in my darkest days. I was a cab driver. And I was having a great day. I was seeing the sunshine and the shadows and flying through it in my yellow cab and just having the best time. And I watched a thought arise about something I, something that triggered a shame response in me. And I literally watched as my mood dropped in 30 seconds from, I am having a fantastic day to, oh my God, when will it all end? very powerful, these, these experiences. But that was before I was a meditator. And now as a meditator and as someone who is actually aware of what's going on in the mind, I see that we can arrest the process. Much as we might step in if we saw two kids on a playground fighting over a toy, just by interrupting the proceedings, we allow for the possibility of change. And really, no one deserves to be spoken to the way our mind sometimes speaks to us, ever. Nor is anything ever served by this kind of talk. If you've ever been berated by an authority figure, a parent, a teacher, a school principal, a cop, you know that it rarely leads to change. Shame, yes, but almost never change. Because voices like this don't tell us we have done something wrong. They tell us we are something wrong. And if we are something wrong, then 
we probably aren't capable of changing anyway, nor perhaps even worthy of change. What allows change to occur is love. It's an act of self-love to stop long enough to notice the voices and what they're saying. Becoming aware of the barrage of negativity we subject ourselves to brings it into the light of day. And once it's been seen, we can begin to change it. There's a saying in recovery groups, I take care of the thought, and I let God take care of the obsession. This idea takes into account that this negative, critical thinking has become a habit. If we've been at it for a few decades, it's worn a groove in our minds, and it's going to keep occurring in us, at least for the time being. It, it, it can change, and it will change, but we begin this change by noticing. We check in with our thoughts, and we hear the negative words, the self-disgust, the self-hatred. We say, oh, that voice again, saying the same thing it always says. And then we can ask ourselves, would God speak to me this way? And if you don't like the idea of God, then would my higher self speak to me this way? Would the most advanced, evolved experience of spirit I possibly can be speak to me, speak to itself this way? No, then this must not be of the divine. This must not be of spirit. This must not be of consciousness itself. So then we turn away from it without trying to change it. We simply put our attention somewhere else. And by doing so, we turn it over to God, or if you'd rather, nature, higher self, higher power, anything other than ourselves. We let go of it and turn it over, and we let this greater force deal with it. Even if it's the greater force of the whole of consciousness itself, rather than simply my experience of the chattering intellect. The whole of this individual consciousness is greater than that small part. And we simply get present. We come to our senses, literally. Drop into the body and then notice the quality of light wherever we find ourselves. Listen to the murmur of the wind in the trees, the rush of traffic, the hiss of the espresso machine at the coffee shop. Feel our feet on the ground, the breeze against our cheek. We can taste the mint we just had and smell the scent of winter in the air. We get present to what is, rather than to the thoughts about why we don't deserve any of it. It's extremely difficult to remember to do, but really terribly simple once we begin. 
One time in the morning and once in the evening is a start. Oh, there's those thoughts. <sighs> Take a breath and feel my bum in the chair and my teeth and tongue and lips moving together as I talk. One time in the morning and once in the evening. Eventually we'll find the way to do it throughout the day, gradually spending a bit less time with our inner critic and a bit more time with what is. And then what is takes up more space in our day than not. And when what is takes up more space in our day than not, we will be pleasantly surprised at just how much life we find ourselves deserving of. Today I will notice the negative thoughts in my mind. I will hear them as something other than myself. I will take care of the thought and let something bigger than me take care of the obsession. I will remove my attention from this inner monologue and place it in the world and on the other people of the world. I will spend some time with the world instead of my thoughts about the world or my thoughts about myself. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Embracing Bliss. I started this podcast and the book it's based on to offer a daily reminder to myself as well as to you that we have the freedom to choose happiness. And if ever we needed happiness and freedom to choose in this world, now would be that time. So please do share it with someone you love, send it to a friend, and also please stay in touch. Links for Instagram, uh, the book Embracing Bliss, and to sign up for my newsletter can all be found in the show notes. Until next time, have a great day.